Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey team, Oliver here. This week, I am releasing another interview from my tour of micromobility companies in Southern California that I did before Micromobility World. This one is with Legrand Cruz, founder of Super 73, on the growth of his very distinctive brand of e-bikes. Ever since I first saw the image of that electrified mini taco bike, I thought Super 73 put onto something. They clearly understood what electrification buys you in terms of bike design, and their focus on knobbly tires, aesthetics, and the likelihood that riders would end up using the throttle over readily pedaling allowed them to create something that was a sort of a substantial departure from anything that we'd really seen in the popular bike design world before. Most companies, really, when you look at it for e-bike design, have just been electrifying their existing form factors. So it was really awesome to finally sit down with Legrand and talk about the history and where things are going for the company, including its expansion into motorbikes. Also, we didn't really discuss it, but I did get to test ride their kid's bike afterwards. And I think that thing is going to sell like hotcakes. It's built super tough and has an adult mode, meaning that adults like myself, who's six, two and a half and a hefty boy, can definitely ride around on it as well. Check out my SoCal write-up that I did on Twitter for a video of me riding it and checking it out. Link in the show notes. And with that, here is Legrand. Let's go. And welcome back to the Micromobility Podcast. I am stoked to be here today with Legrand from Super 73 in person. In there person. Hey, welcome, man. It's good yeah. to have <laughs> yeah. well, you. This is, this is my favorite way of doing podcasts is in person. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's much better than, than the Zoom stuff that we've all been getting used to, I guess. Totally, totally. Yeah. It's, uh, it's marvelous when we can do it. Uh, I can do it kind of globally uh, to be able to interview people from all over the world, but it's so much better in person. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, it's not the, not the end of the world. you got to come to Southern California. I know. We brought the rain for you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, um, yeah, and it's amazing. So I have to, like, get to check out the, you know, to speak, check out your space because it's, like, it's amazing what you guys have been doing. I, it's funny as well because I th- I'm from New Zealand, so we don't really have that much, uh, you know, that much exposure to what you've been doing because mm-hmm. there aren't that many, you know. Are, are there any? Do you know? If there uh, any you know, there probably is some bikes there. Um, funny enough, actually, uh, part of my story actually involves uh, New Zealand. Uh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Fun, yeah, funny enough, we actually uh, distributed for a while a New Zealand brand of uh, e-bikes and some close friends over there. No and, way. Uh, but we, we still haven't officially entered who's that the, who's market. the brand? Uh, so uh, Smart Motion, I don't yeah, know if you, yeah, 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 if you know totally. them. Yeah, yeah I so did. I was the, uh, the the North American Smart Motion uh, distributor no for way. a couple of years. I helped bring them to America and redo their uh, the products for this market. Oh, uh, amazing! This, this predates Super seventy three. Yeah, obviously. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, totally. But yeah, so I got really close with uh, with the folks uh, uh, that started that uh, yep. that brand, and uh, you know, got to go to New Zealand and uh, check things out there. Beautiful, mm. beautiful place, amazing. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I do I do have I do have some connections. Uh, 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 down there with the with the, with the Kiwis, but yeah, uh, cool. uh, yeah, and and it's funny because we've actually had a, quite a few people reach out to us and be like, ah, oh, when are you gonna be yeah. down here? And well, I'm, there's a whole bunch of like looking at your image materials. It's like, dude, that could be in New Zealand. That could be, you know, there's some. There would be a lot of people who would see this and go, yeah, this would totally yeah. suit our lifestyle. It's just it's just tough. It's uh, you know obviously not located close to anything. And, totally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're you're not the first one to point this out. So, yeah. <laughs> 
so yeah. it is it is difficult. But there's a you know the, the adoption is incredible. I know yeah. that you know even just years ago, uh, it was uh, it was wild at just how many people you know really kind of understood. Hey, e-bikes are, are are the way to go. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a crazy stat about New Zealand actually. So we're going to sell more e-bikes next year than we will new cars. Oh, really? Like e-bikes and scooters. Oh, wow. Yeah, than new cars. That's like, incredible. Like all new cars. This was just totally crazy. Oh, that's awesome. Well, um, we got to get out there then. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it's a good market. Tiny, but good. But look, hey, I want to understand a bit about you because I think this is this is one of these things of like I'm, I'm doing this tour, doing all the SoCal companies, and like yours is so, it's such an iconic brand. Like it's a really I think you guys have really nailed that. And so maybe what we'll start with is where did you come from? I want to kind of understand maybe actually at the top line like a bit about the company, like how many if you can tell me ballpark how many bikes you ship or like. Yeah, I know you probably can't tell me that number, but that's fine. If, how do you rank yourself relative to the competition in terms of you know where, you, where you'd sit? Yeah, and then being able to talk a little bit about that history because I know it's like yeah. quite an interesting history. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess you know just to start it off with, uh, maybe we'll talk about the history first. Okay. Uh, give yeah, you a little bit of the of the background. So my story goes back well before Super Seventy Three. So yeah. my first you know e bike. I guess ventures uh, began about 11, 12 years ago now. Yep. Uh, and um, you know, I won't go through that whole backstory, but uh, needless to say, the uh, I guess founding team that came together for Super 73, um, we you know all had experience in our own corners of micro mobility, and again, that was not a term that was even around back mm. then. And so I had uh, an e-bike business, had done everything under the sun. Uh, as I mentioned, distributing a New Zealand brand yeah, of bikes. Yeah. I had retail stores, did some uh, some other things for uh, for small OEMs where we would uh, convert their bikes into electric bikes, distributed a uh, electric bike kit to over 100 dealers nationwide. So I did kind of everything under the sun. Yeah, wow. and, um, and then that experience ended up leading me to meeting my other business partners who, at the time, they had a startup with I guess what you would call like you know, modern day kind of kick scooters that yeah. they were looking to electrify, yeah. and uh, they were just a little bit ahead of their time. Yeah. Uh, so it was not not commercially successful. Oh, I tell you, that's, good. Um, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> we should yeah. do that. Yeah, it was a good idea back in 2014, 15. But yeah. it, uh, again, it was just a little bit ahead of its time. So, yeah. so it wasn't commercially successful, and they were looking at you know maybe we should do something else because. Yeah. We're not really having a whole lot of success here, and so we got together, and uh, and really the first bike was born of that. And 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 when you look at the founding team, you know we all brought uh, these very different things together. Uh, and obviously, myself having the the background in e-bikes and being just obsessed with everything uh, to do with with uh, you know small electric motors on any kind of two-wheeled vehicle. And then you had the rest of the group, which um, also had a passion for the space in general, but you know a little bit younger than me, a little bit cooler than me, to be mm. honest. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, able to bring a little bit more of that, uh, you know, that younger energy and flair, and uh, and really that kind of branding. And mm. so it was just this kind of magic uh, combination of all of these things, and and it wasn't. It wasn't even intentional, uh, you know, from the beginning. It was more of there's a group of us that are you know in our 20s and 30s. And we're looking around going, well, e-bikes, number one, they're not cool. Yeah. They're made for, you know, grandma and grandpa, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really nothing that we would want to go buy and, you know, and rock and be seen on, right? Yeah. And so 
ultimately what we built was something that was really just for us. It was yeah. kind of a selfish endeavor. We're, I think I think initially we said, hey, let's uh, you know let's do a Kickstarter campaign, and we kind of did the math and said, okay, if we can sell, I think it was like twenty five bikes, we each could get one. Like that was the math. Oh, really? yeah. So That's we're like, okay, we, if, we, if yeah. we can do this and sell enough of them, we can each get a bike, and then we're happy. Like yeah. we got what we want, and you know, and it all worked out. We'll move on to the next project. Yeah. Uh, and so lo and behold, we threw that thing on Kickstarter. You know, did a cool video. Really focused on the lifestyle as opposed mm. to, you know, this many watts and yeah. this many, you know, amp hours. And, you know, we just said, hey, forget about it. Let's just focus on what this represents. And that is freedom. And it is just getting out and having fun. And we showed a video where we were taking this bike in kind of all the various uh, uh, parts of Southern California. And you know, we have deserts, we have mountains, we have, you know, beaches. And so we, we showed that. And, uh, and that just hit a nerve. Mm. Um, and not just in this country, it was, it was like global. And yeah. that was the surprise, I think. So yeah, so from there, uh, you know. Because how many bikes did you actually originally sell on that? So in the initial Kickstarter was, I believe, is around five hundred. When it was all said and done, I think we did somewhere between five to six hundred or something yep. like that that we ended up having to deliver. It took us a long time to to, to do that. Yeah, it's a lot easier to, uh, to to make a video and throw a Kickstarter on than it is to actually build things and deliver them, as totally. so many people know that have tried. Yeah, and so yeah, so from a goal of twenty five to over five hundred, yeah. obviously was was massive success in one way, but the other way is also we we didn't intend to start a company or an e-bike brand. So all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, okay, we, we actually have have to do this. Yep. Um, you know, number one, we gotta deliver the bikes. Totally. And then uh, you know, and then it was really okay, well what's what's next yep. after that? And uh, and thankfully uh, you know it worked out. I mean we've had you know we kind of had the right right product at the right time and uh, you know right as uh, you know people started to really pay attention to these kind of smaller forms of transportation and e-bikes are become uh, a little more well known here in the U.S. and and yeah, and then it was like one thing led to another, and then as we know, the pandemic kind of just you know poured gasoline onto the fire that was that was already going, and uh, and I think that everybody benefited from that. Certainly, we did, and then here we are, you know, 2023, and uh, I don't have to explain what e-bikes are to anybody anymore. Totally, yeah. You know? And so, because I mean, you've got a very distinct style with that with that and obviously i think that's like what, what you're saying you started with something you wanted to that you, was cool yeah because that, that was a form factor that it originally existed in like the 60s or 70s right that yeah was, so if you look back uh like early 70s you had these taco mini bikes and yeah. these taco mini bikes were a big craze here in southern california in particular yeah and and one of the things and you know this kind of even harkens back to the whole name you know why super 73 is that 1973 was the height of the oil crisis yeah. uh, the energy crisis that we had here in the u.s and that was also kind of coincided with this kind of movement to more efficient forms of transportation smaller vehicles overall yeah and that included these taco mini bikes and so to kind of bring it full circle, that very first bike that we built, the first Kickstarter mm. bike, um, we actually took a Taco Mini bike frame. Like there's, there's still, you know, these kits that you can buy where you can yeah, like yeah. weld it in your garage and throw a, a you know, a engine from a, a lawnmower on it. Yeah, you know, yeah Essentially, yeah. right. Um, and so we actually bought one of those kits. No wait, was that frame like was it open because you could put motors in it? That's exactly what it is. Oh, yeah, hilarious. so it's designed to put a small motor. So we actually yeah. we, we didn't just take a frame and then just you know build it up and call it our own. We, yeah. we, we modified, we took pieces of that, yeah. we took pieces from various other vehicles and, yeah. and we kind of cobbled this thing together and, you know, and created something um, you know, that was ours and unique. But, but certainly that Taco Mini Bike, like that, was, that was the inspiration. And yeah. So, so yeah, so it kind of you know, goes back to 
you know, this was something from the 70s when we had an energy crisis, when people were really starting to pay attention to, you know, not only the cost of, mm. of uh, you know, what it costs to, to actually, you know, move themselves around, but also, you know, what's that impact on the environment, right? Totally. And, uh, and I feel well, like that's coming very, full circle. Yeah, exactly. Like, very relevant these days. So, exactly. So, you got there, so, you, you, 2023, clearly you've got not just one bike anymore, you've got a, a whole range of yep. them. They're like very stylish, big focus on customs as well, which I've seen, which is yeah. like, and these partnerships that you've been doing, which are like epic and I think very, very interesting. But like how, how big have you grown? Like how, how many staff do you have? I know you maybe yeah. can't reveal, you know, actual numbers, but anything that you can give on a gauge of like where you would position yourself in the market, do you think you're some yeah. mid-size, so, small size? Yeah, English? so we have, we have over, uh, I mean, you know, some of the numbers I can share is we have over 100,000 riders uh, globally, yep. so um, so we've you know, surpassed that mark. And, you know, in terms of employees, I, I don't even know what we are currently, but we're probably somewhere around 150 or so globally. Yep. Um, so we have operations both here in Southern California as well as in Amsterdam. Um, yep. So that's uh, our European team out there. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, the last three years have been wild, uh, obviously, um, you know, from a combination of things, not just the growth in the space, but, you know, also just this uh, kind of fight for resources, uh, mm. you know, so to speak. I mean, it's you know, not really, you know, we're not that far removed from people having to wait six months or more to get one of our products. And today that's not the case uh, yep. for the most part. You don't have to wait. Again, depends on the model and depends on on, on the color. We still, you know, we'll, we'll stock out here on occasion. But yeah, it's it's been it's been a really really busy time to you know build up not only the staff but even this facility that we're in here right mm. now. I mean, you know, this has been years in the making, and um, you know, and really what we're positioning ourselves is to really turn that corner uh, in terms of, you know, we've built, obviously, the products everybody knows, yep. uh, you know, the core uh, uh, e-bike products that we have. And, and again, we have, you know, different families. We have more models. I think we're up to, like, you know, 10 individual models. Yep. Um, but one of the things that we're actually going to start shipping here in a couple months, a few months, uh, is our new kids' products. So, uh, in fact, at the end of the table here, there's uh, one. It's, it's hidden down under there. Yep. So we're really, really excited about that. And that's kind of the first product outside of kind of this core e-bike family that, yep. that we've developed. Uh, and then, you know, behind that is uh, is our first electric motorcycle. Yeah, so, well, I want to talk about that because yeah. that, that I think is so fascinating and like a really, you know, we're, we're actually doing a tour of a couple of the motorbike manufacturers as well while we're here. I'm going to go see Rib this afternoon and I'm kind of, it's such, it's in my head when I had originally seen a Super 73, I was like, that's almost a moped. And actually mm -hmm. I rode you know, James's this morning, and it's, it's like, they are a really functional bike that is also almost the kind of moped, and it feels like you're kind of going into that e motorbike space. Well, you've been kind of like sniffing at it for a while. So I was, you know, when you launched it, uh, I was like, that totally makes sense, and also looks really sexy, by the way. It's a really looking, good looking bike. But talk me through how you've thought about it. Like, are the, are the demographics of the people that you're selling your e-bikes to the kind of people that you think will go into motorbikes? Or are you going, motorbikes are a whole different business. They're a whole different set of riders. And we, we just sort of, we can see that there's an opportunity because nobody's doing e-bikes or e-motorbikes well. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the two things. So if you look back at what we did with electric bicycles. So electric bicycles, you know, back in 2016, they were there, they were a thing, uh, they were you know, already established, but really nobody had come in and said, okay, let's just think about this completely differently. As opposed mm -hmm. to electrifying a bicycle, yes. let's just think of like what, what would be just an awesome vehicle totally. with this technology that we yeah. could build, right? And, um, and again, we had a lot of success in that. And so we've taken just kind of that same approach with motorcycles, and which by the way, we've, we've always had the plan to do this. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were, I think, surprised and said, oh, you know, why, why now and why this? 
And you know, the truth is, is that we, we always had a plan and the idea was we would pull that trigger, so to speak, when we had enough of a customer base of people that knew our electric bicycles that this would just be that step up product. And, yeah. and a lot of that is because it was our own experience that uh, you know, I didn't start riding motorcycles till about six years ago. Right. And why did I start? Well, because you, know, you ride a 20 mile an hour e-bike, then a 28 mile an hour e-bike, <laughs> and then 30, and then maybe you have some that, you know, not on public roads, yes. that go faster. Indeed, And, yes. uh, you yep. know, and then, yeah, you're, you're essentially on a, you're essentially on a motor, motorbike at that yep. point, right? Uh, and so it was just a natural progression that happened both for, uh, for some of the founding team, um, but then we started seeing that also with our, with our customers. They yep. were like, oh my God, this is amazing. And now that I, I know I can get around my, my city or my neighborhood with this, I, you know, I kind of want that next step. And, there's just nothing. There's just nothing there. Yeah. You know, everybody is. Uh, you know, it's either you know, traditional motorbikes. You know, an internal combustion engine powered. Which, yeah. you know, there's all sorts of learning curves. There's a clutch. There's gears. Yeah. There's you know, there's complexity. You know, that I think that really creates a big barrier. Uh, you know, to people wanting to adopt that. Um, and then if you look at the electric side, there's amazing products. In fact, I I own some from mm. from other people making electric uh, uh, motorbikes, but they're all at the like real high end, right? Yeah. They're trying to get that person that wants you know all the performance and that's mm. trying to replace a big huge powerful you know gas powered uh, bike and so you know we said well nobody else is doing this and why, why not us you know and so your price point for that um, we haven't released it, yes. um, but I will tell you that it will be incredibly competitive okay. uh, compared okay. to anything that is out there shipping today okay um, and you know the whole idea and this goes back to really what we've done with with our other bikes we we're not going to be the cheapest thing ever. It's just mm -hmm. not going to happen because uh, we want to make sure that we can deliver a yeah. well-engineered, uh, high-quality product, stand behind it, do all these things. And unfortunately, those things aren't free. But we also don't want to have something that's so high-end that it's unaffordable and that only a few people can enjoy it. You know, mm -hmm. really, I think the the beauty of what's happened over the last years is that, you know, democratization of, of electric vehicles. And that's only happening in this two wheel space, essentially, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, everything that's, you know, four wheels, you know, car and up, I mean, it's, you know, the average person's priced out of that. Yeah. And so, uh, so we're taking that same tact here with the motorcycle in mm -hmm. that it's not something for, you know, I can tell you right now, it's not going to be 20 plus thousand dollars or anything yeah. even remotely close to that. Right. Um, it's going to be, again, on the, you know, incredibly competitive side. And you know, there may be more than than just one one offering as well. Oh. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, wicked. And so, what is the? Because I want to I want to talk about the like you started out as D 2 C. Like you're obviously mm -hmm. doing Kickstarter. You have people buying it from all over the country. Yeah. One of the big things that we've been learning, I think, uh, certainly for me in this space, has just been like as we have kind of progressed. We started out with all these companies that were doing shared. That's what micro mobility was. Then we kind of shifted to, hey, there are all these companies like Rad Power Bikes who are like shipping. You know, they're, they're now the largest e bike company in the US. Mm -hmm all D to C. And yet there's this whole world of like people who have to go through independent bike network, bike dealers and, and, and that you have to manage how to do servicing and all that sort of stuff that I think as an industry, we're still learning. Like we're mm -hmm. still learning how to do that well. And I don't think the answers necessarily are super compelling because on one side you go through the bike dealer network, it's like mm -hmm. that's a really old business with a whole bunch of like challenge associated with it. And D to C is itself also challenging with the way that it's done. But how have you thought about that? And then how are you thinking about that for the motorbike? 
Yeah. So, uh, so those things go hand in hand. I mean, as, as you know, uh, you know, once you go to a motorbike, as soon as it's a road going, you know, road legal vehicle, I mean, it's a, it's a whole different ball of wax yeah. in every way. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and absolutely we need the ability to, to service, you know, our customers in, you know, phys- in a physical way that mm. is almost impossible to see. If you look back at our electric bicycles, we designed them from the beginning to, to be able to easily replace kind of key components, right? Mm. If something's gonna go wrong with the electrical system, there's like three components basically. And, right. and with the most basic of tools and virtually no knowledge, somebody can unplug a few wires and replace that. And so yeah. we, we, we designed that from the beginning to be that way. With an electric motorbike, those are not, those aren't options, right? Mm. You can't, you know, you're, nobody's gonna swap a battery or a motor yep. or a power control, right? It's just not going to happen. And so, you know, I don't have anything I can share, unfortunately, uh, today publicly. But I will tell you that there's uh, a lot of work uh, that we've been doing to uh, to resolve those issues. Um, we're, it's not something that we're going to be able to do alone. Yep. Uh, we'll have to, you know, obviously uh, partner yep. um, with some folks. But 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 there is a plan, and uh, and it'll be really exciting to announce what that is when uh, as we get closer to shipping the motorcycle. But uh, the idea um, and the plan is that we will be able to service the motorcycle and you know, very well in the markets that, that we're going to be selling it in. Yeah. And initially, it's going to be uh, here in North America, but we have uh, plans. Um, well, when I say initially, we'll see. Uh, yeah. It may, may not be separated that that much, but but we also have the rest of the world. But that servicing piece, like I said, well in advance of that ever going to market, yeah. we're already lining that up. And the trickle-down benefits are going to be that what we're doing for the motorbike, the motorcycle side, it's actually going to trickle down to the e-bike side as well. Mm. And I think that's kind of the most exciting part about this. I don't think anybody has an idea of just, just how much of a heavy lift it is to develop from literally a clean sheet of paper a brand new vehicle or a platform for a brand new vehicle and to think of all of the various things like the service and mm. how are you going to sell it and you know what about accessories and you know is there going to be you know how are you going to charge it and uh, what about security and mm. you know there's just so many things that go into it and what's exciting is that you know this heavy lift that we've done in all of that work the follow on effect of that is you're going to see all this stuff start to trickle into our core e-bike product. And so it's really going to elevate that to yeah. a way that I think is going to create additional separation from, from the rest of the market. Because mm-hmm. you know, if you're just an electric bicycle company, well, sure, you can design and, and, and engineer certain things yourselves. But you know, you're really kind of reliant still on kind of what's out there in a lot of ways in terms of components, in terms of... Uh, you, know, you look at like drive systems, right? You know, there's only like a handful of drive systems that kind of everybody you know uses because yeah. it's incredibly expensive and time-consuming, and and you know to to, to go and develop your own, right? Mm. But but again, once we have additional scale here with the motorcycle product, it really changes the game and it allows us to do a lot, lot more. So, anyways, like I said, I wish it'd be it'd be great That's to okay. be able to we'll tell you up. a lot we'll more detail. We'll come back but, and do this in a little but, while. But it, yeah, yeah. It, it'll come in good time. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, marvelous. Well, so talk me through the. You know, you obviously got the the core business, and and like you've done, you started out D to C. I'm curious, like, you know, what sort of cha- what other channels have you looked at, and you know, as you've grown, has it become Super clear that like you can't just do D to C and and what and how have you thought about that in a way that like feels on you know spot on for Super Super Three and the brand and what you want to be kind of enabling as well. Yeah. So in the beginning, uh, I don't think we ever came at this and said, oh, we just want to be this D to C brand, right? Yeah. But we were essentially forced to be a digitally native brand because yeah. back 
six years ago, nobody wanted to carry our products, totally. right? Yeah. You know, you know, we'd go to a bike shop and they'd like, yeah, you know, here's the door, you know, nice, yeah. uh, you know, I think nice school project kid, right? That was the that was the the, the thing that we got. Uh, and now, you know, every bike shop is banging down the door begging to carry our product. Really? Yeah. It's awesome. it's, it's been a you know complete 180. Yeah. And so the challenge really for us has been okay. We started digitally native, we know how to do that. We mm. know how to do D2C. Uh, you know, we built the company in a lot of ways to, you know, to, to primarily sell that way. But now, especially with the world being back open and mm. everything else, like people want to go and see and feel and touch and test ride and mm. you know, it's a it's a physical product. It's not inexpensive, right? Mm. So so you, so we've seen this like pretty big shift actually in really just the last year in consumer behavior. Mm. And and to give you an idea, we have our own retail store here in Irvine, a couple miles uh, from our location here. And you know, and I don't know what the exact uh, figures are, but uh, the that retail store in 2022 mm. did orders of magnitude more business than it did in 21. So much so mm. that it really kind of opened our eyes up and said, we were like, oh my God, we, we, we clearly customers want this. They want this experience. Yeah. They want to come in. They want to, you know, even, even like buying accessories and seeing how it fits and, you know, how it's used. And so, so really there's a lot of initiatives now. And, and, and really this last year we started to really expand our, channel outside of D2C. Mm. Um, you know, we're still we're still D2C dominant yep. uh, for sure, but you know, now you can go and get Super 73s in in all sorts of different places. Um, and in places that you wouldn't think you would normally be able to go and get totally. an e-bike. I mean, I feel like you're just the, the kind of the niche and the fact that you're branding and you've got those co-branding partnerships mm -hmm. and stuff. It's like there are certain places around the world which would be like, hey, e-bikes are cool, art is cool, let's yeah. work out how to get like something that combines all those things and make it, you know, a kind of a random place to pick up a bike. Well, exactly. And, and, and then there's a mix, right? Because as much as we would love to have every outlet that could sell a Super 73 to be able to service it and do mm. all of that, I mean, that's just not the reality, right? So as an example, if you go out here to Huntington Beach, uh, you go to, you know, Maine and, and PCH right there in the, you know, right in the middle of everything. And there's a couple of surf shops there and there's only one e-bike in those shops yeah. and it's ours. Yeah. And, you know, you can purchase it there. Now you can't go there and, you know, have them overhaul the, you know, the bike and get it serviced and customized. Mm. They don't do that. That's, yeah. that's not their, their business, right? But what there is their business is, and what they do understand is, uh, is lifestyle uh, branding. They understand, uh, you know, younger demographic, uh, and they also, you know, understand, uh, I guess, just that that cool factor that our bike brings. It, it adds something to what you know everything else that they're doing, and mm. so so we belong in places like that where you know other e-bikes really would be out of place. Yep. And then of course, in the more traditional places, yep. you know, we also are in power sports dealers, yep. right? And you walk into a power sports dealer, we're one of the least expensive products on the floor. Yeah. I mean, in fact, we're cheaper than like an accessory for, you know, a side-by-side -side or, you know, a big, you know, uh, you know, big uh, uh, cruiser motorcycle, right? Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll toss a couple of uh, Super 73s for, for the neighborhood as well, right? Totally, totally. Um, so we had a lot of success there. And then, of course, the more traditional bike shops. Yeah. And, and you know, again, that for us is uh, a combination of things, but it's, uh, you know, the ability to service. Yeah. You know, Has that gone about as well as you'd expect? You know, it's a mixed bag. Um, our, our, our product's a little bit different, obviously, yeah. so there's a little bit of a, of a curve, learning curve. Uh, even things that you wouldn't even think of. Um, you know, for example, the 
the stands that are used to service bicycles. Yeah. They all operate off the same principle of totally. grabbing the, the seat post. Seat post. Yeah, we don't course. have a seat post. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, <laughs> so, so if we want somebody to service the bikes, yeah. we've actually had to go and develop a special adapter for those stands that can yeah, you know, accommodate right. our bikes. And so there's all sorts of little details like that that you mm. just don't think of. Um, but we, we just launched uh, late last year a program uh, that... Uh, and again, we started this with our own internal servicing facility. So we learned first, okay, what works, what doesn't, um, you know, how do we provide amazing you know, service to now these you know, tens or hundreds of thousands now of riders that are out there. We learned how to do that first on our own. And then we developed the program that now we can go out to uh, various partners. Mm. And, and that is just now rolling out. And so um, over this next year, uh, there's going to be a lot more options for people to be able to go get their Super 73 service or get accessories put on, uh, et cetera. And, uh, and by the time the motorcycle rolls out, it, it's going to be it's going to be well, well established. Yeah, and curious as well, because one of the things that I've also seen as another channel that's been explored has been going into subscription businesses mm -hmm. or something yeah. like that. And I'm curious, like, did you look at that? Have you explored it? Do you think that there'd be an interest in, in folks wanting to go, like, actually, I don't want to pay, you know, a couple of grand up front, mm -hmm. but I'd be okay paying $50. Yeah, I think you know? I think there's something there. Uh, you know, we've obviously paid attention to others that are doing it. And it, it reminds me a little bit of, of kind of the, the whole shared mobility thing, which was like, okay, this is a great idea. We know people are going to want this, but mm. but it's taken years, and I don't think anybody's still figured out exactly how to, um, you know, make that operate in the black, so to speak. So, yep. that, you know, how, how do we make that actually a legitimate business that, um, you know, doesn't just suck money for perpetuity, right? Yep. And so so that's the same thing. I don't I don't think that we want to be the ones to go and, and guinea, you know, be the guinea pigs, so to speak, to try to, to figure that out. But yep. but now that other people are doing it, I, I, I think it, it potentially could be viable and I think it'd be an exciting thing. You know, ultimately, what is the goal? The goal that we have, and, and hopefully it's a goal that a lot of others do, you know, this isn't just about making money. Mm. Um, in fact, in this business, that is a... <laughs> So that's a, that's a luxury <laughs> yeah. a byproduct if you can do it. Yeah. You know, but really it's about how do we get more people onto these smaller vehicles, right? Yeah. How do we get somebody out of a car? Yeah. Um, and not even out of a car. You know, sure, you, you know, if you're going to travel 300 miles somewhere, you're not doing it on an e-bike, totally. right? Yeah. And in this state, Most you're not doing it on any public transportation either. Totally, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. so the cars are always going to be around. Yeah. You know, we're not trying to replace every car on the road. But what we're saying is that the vast majority of really kind of everyday activities all happen within a very short radius of where mm. you live, mm. whether you're in an urban or suburban environment. And for that, uh, you know, why should you be lugging around a you know full five thousand pound machine? No matter if it's running on gasoline or electricity, it's mm. a tremendous use of resources, uh, and there's just not enough. There's just mm. not enough resources, right? Yep. There's literally not enough you know materials being mined to turn every single car into an electric car. And that's for now, let alone like. 20 years from now, when, exactly. we have, when we have a whole other billion or two billion right, you know, drivers who exactly. are Exactly. So that's just why it's like yeah. we, we have to do this now. Like yeah. there is enough if everybody's using a small format vehicle, yeah. um, at least for most of their day to day. So, so that is the goal. Yeah. And ultimately, however we can accomplish that, I can tell you that I personally am definitely open to it. And as an organization, uh, we absolutely would be fools not to explore mm. that. Mm. And so the subscription model... And I, I, you know, I hope I hope somebody's able to be very successful with it, and yeah. and if so, then the rest of the industry can kind of, uh, you know, take those lessons learned, and um, and again, it's just how do we make it more accessible? Yeah. How do we make it easier? My, my bet, and this is a sort of this is my thesis, is that while technology is new and people are like still getting their heads around it, and it's the same the same issues, right? It's like I want to buy this thing, but it's kind of new. I don't know how it's going to adapt into my family. I don't know how to like, do I need accessories? Do I need all that stuff? And like. It can be, 
a large learning curve. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a certain set of adopters who will take that risk. But there's a whole bunch of people who are like, in the early days, I'm on the risk of buying a whole big vehicle. And then I want to, and I want to be able to have the, the optionality to be back. And I want to learn and have people that I can ask questions of and all that sort of stuff. I really, I mean, my sense is that subscription will do well, for, mm-hmm. especially that first kind of five years of this really accelerating growth that we're seeing around e-bikes. And, mm-hmm. and I, uh, is my sense. I mean, we'll see if that actually plays out. But that the, the companies that have done it super well in Europe, so like Swap yeah. or in Australia with yeah. like and carry, or for very specific niches, right? So like Zumo doing the gig economy work at bikes mm-hmm. is, is like micromobility is like perfectly placed for that. And that that's where the thing is. But uh, I mean... I totally hear you. And it's also kind of like, as a manufacturer, you're like, what are we good at? What's, you know, what makes a beer taste better? At the yeah. end of the day, well, it's like, and, you know, you and, want to And, it, and it could also be with partners. You know, that's the other thing, right? We did a, um, we, ended up, we ended up doing this, the pandemic kind of messed it all up, to be honest. But there was, we were, we were talking to an organization that, uh, let's see how much I can say without, without saying uh, uh, who or giving away. But basically, it was an organization that had, call it a lot of food locations, and they yeah, were yes. looking for, uh, you know, some kind of delivery vehicle. But, yeah. One of the things that was critical and that they were looking at this very differently is, you know, they looked at, okay, well, who, who are our delivery people that yeah. normally do this? Well, they're usually very young, yeah. out of high school, maybe college age, right? This is not their, you know, career, right? This is just a, a job that they have right now. And how do we entice and get those people to do this? So what they were looking at is taking a, you know, Super 73, we'd obviously would customize it for yeah. uh, the purpose uh, that they needed it for. But it was actually, they were looking at providing that to the delivery driver as their own personal vehicle. Then they could use it for, for work and oh, for the delivery, but then they could take it home and everything. So yeah, it was like a perk. It was like a perk to go, hey, you get a Super 73 yeah. while you're working here yeah. that you can use all the time. Yeah, and then, of course, you use it for work as well. Totally. And, uh, and again, it was just like an ancillary benefit. I, I'm very curious. Like, your form factor is so well, like, so well set up to, in theory, do a cargo bike. And like, that is where the world... Like, so, so really fascinating data, by the way. So data, like cargo bikes, when you look at like Craigslist data for, for who, where the most mileage gets done, yep. cargo bikes are like 2x what the next category of ridership is, which is like, you know, the commuter bikes or the sport bikes or whatever. Like they're just off the charts in terms of usage. And I'm, I'm curious like where you, why you've not gone that way yet. Yeah, I mean, that's, here's what I'll say. So, you know, one, you got to remember our core market is the US, yes. right? This is where we do the majority of our business. I would love to do more business in Europe, yes. uh, and we will eventually. But again, we, we you know we're based here. We start here. Everything you know starts off here, and then we kind of trickle out you know from there. So cargo bikes have absolutely hit their stride in Europe mm-hmm. and in other places abroad. Here in the U.S., still trying to figure it out. Right? Not everybody's yeah. completely bought into that yet. It, again, incredible progress. And I've been a big fan of cargo bikes for for a very very long time. Uh, in fact, uh, you know prior to Super Seventy Three, worked very closely with. Uh, uh, some of the OG cargo bike uh, manufacturers here in uh, in the U.S. and electrified, uh, you know, their offerings. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I, I believe in the category mm. absolutely. But again, the fundamental issues are, uh, you know, how do we do something that's going to work here in the U.S. And then the other, and this is, I think, is something that's unique to us is. Uh, what we protect at all costs is mm. our brand, yep. right? There's a lot of things we could do, um, but we always look at everything with the lens of like, okay, is this on brand? Is this going to uh, you know, turn off people to the brand potentially, or is this diluting the brand in some way? And so the hardest thing sometimes is not 
what we do, it's what we don't do, right? Yeah. And saying, okay, that, that's maybe not, you know, or we're not ready now for that. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when I think of, uh, you know, of the cargo bike space, I, I, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. And when we look at it for ourselves, you know, the big questions I would always ask is, okay, how do we make it cool? How do we yeah. make it? Well, this is my thing. Yeah. How do you make it cool? How do you make it cool? How do you make the a... brand? Tell me, man. Yeah. Is uh, well, you know, maybe you have some ideas there. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, I bet you do. Um, yeah, I bet you do. But uh, but again, you know, it's, it's a thing at a time, and 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 that's the other thing is that there's there's only so many resources, and, yeah. and as you you know, as we talked about, we're we're developing now actual electric motorbikes road legal, which is taking a tremendous amount of resources, not only financial, manpower, uh, engineering resources, um, and so there's only so much we can throw out, but, um, but what I will say again is that the, the technology, some of the things that we're doing on that motorbike side is going to trickle down, and when you think about you know, the, the needs of a cargo bike or something that you know, again has this more utilitarian practical use, some of the stuff that, that that's coming, I think, uh, would lend itself to that. So, yeah. so to answer the question, kind of in a very long-winded way, uh, you're not going to see a cargo bike tomorrow from Super yeah. Seventy Three, uh, but as a category, we're definitely watching very closely. Uh, I, I can tell you, there's some ideas of yeah, maybe cool. how how you know, I just, what execution. I, I think be. out of all the cargo bikes that I've seen, I think you could do the coolest one out. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But anyway, I, I, um, I'm, I agree with you on that one. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Conscious of time, and I'm, I'm aware I don't have you for too much longer, so I do want to ask a little bit about the, you've raised like nearly 30 million, which is like crazy, you know, when you did it in February 2021, so congratulations and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, how do you, how have you thought about that? Obviously, you started really scrappy. Mm -hmm. You then managed to go and get funding. The, the model of being able to take VC funding and how that's played out for you, you know, where do, do you think that this is going to be a sustainable business that works super well for VC funded businesses going forward? Or is this a, it, one of the things I hear a lot is people talk about like, it's hard to make, like hardware is hard, <laughs> yeah. VCs in this space are hard. And I'm just kind of curious how that's played out for you. Like how have you found working with your investors and, and, and have you, how did you find the right match of investor for what you were looking for and what you're trying to build with the company? Yeah, I think, I think number one, we've been very fortunate in that we have, I think our investors, uh, they're, they invested because they understood what we were doing. We presented uh, a picture of, of reality, mm. right? I mean, we could certainly, and I, I could tell you, we probably could have raised a lot more money if we would have gone out and said, we're going to be the biggest e-bike company in the world, mm. right? We're going to sell more e-bikes than anybody else, right? Yep. But, th but that's not the mission. That's not, mm. what we're, that's not what we're even trying to do, right? And so um, ultimately, it, you know, as we looked at it, it's, I think it's just as important <laughs> to, uh, you know, to decide if you want to get investment, but then who you get it from, like that—that mm -hmm. that is critical. And we've seen—I'm you know, not going to name any names—but we've seen over the last, you know, call it six months, a whole host of very well-funded companies that the founders are no longer running. Mm. You know, and and that might be a good. I don't know. Maybe that'll turn out okay. But if you look at. Um, the history of kind of any company, you know, once the founders aren't aren't at the helm, um, you know, it changes. It changes. Yeah. You know, the priorities change, right? Yep. And 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 you know, when you have investors running the show and and calling the shots, um, you know, they're in it for it for their own reasons, and those are almost entirely financial. Mm. And no no fault. I mean, that's that's the business, right? Yep. But you know, myself personally and others that I know in this space, we didn't start these companies and do this because we were all trying to become. You know, millionaires or, mm. or become rich, and very few of us actually end up getting to do any of that, anyways. Yeah. Um, but like, we have a passion for it. This is mm. like what we love. I mean, I, you know, I get up every day. I'm excited about this, and you mm. know, no matter how hard it is, and whatever the new challenge is, and you know, I don't care because I love it. You know, what am I doing when I'm not here at the office? Like, I'm riding a vehicle. I spent, you know, the weekend. I was at. <laughs> I don't know if I want to admit this, but you know, I spent, uh, you know, most of my almost my entire day Sunday at a at a motorcycle shop. Right. And I was out, you know, 
talking to people and uh, I may or may not have, have bought some things there yeah. too. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's hard to do when you, uh, yeah. <laughs> you walk in, not walk out with something. And, yeah. uh, you know, but again, I just absolutely just love what I do. I love the space. I believe in it. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we want to preserve that. And mm. so, you know, this isn't about, you know, not having investors come and take over, but it's about saying, hey, let's make sure that we're we're true to what the mission is and that we get investors that, that buy into it. And mm. if we don't, then they're just not the right partners, yep. right? It, it's Because you know. how's it played out? Because my sense is like, there's a lot of people in the industry who are hurting. And like you say, <laughs> yeah. that like that has not, I think there's been a bit of an overshoot. Like there was mm. so much hype, 2021, 20, you know, early 2022. And then it's just sort of like, whoa, we're heading into recession that had, you mm. know, like if you're just reading the tea leaves on it and that sort of stuff, like how have you guys managed to position yourself so that you don't end up, you know, yeah. hurt? Well, I, you know, again, I think the big thing is just to, to temper expectations, right? We've always been very cautious. I mean, if you look, you know, we have, and again, I'm very familiar with kind of what's happening, you know, all over the place. There's a lot of inventory out there, a lot mm. of people brought in, you know, a lot of bikes is thinking that, wow, this growth is just going to last forever, right? Like, we're just going to keep doubling and tripling the business every year, mm. you know, for the next 10 years. <laughs> and it's like, that's, uh, I don't know of any hardware business for sure that's been able to to sustain that for any period of time. So it's really not a surprise mm. uh, of what's happening now. I think the question was always like when, um, and maybe it happened sooner for others and, and later for you know for, for other people too. But for us in particular, again, we've been very fortunate that, um, and, and this is also just the nature of our product. Like we, because our products are designed for us. Mm there's some good and some bad. The bad is that it's not so easy for us just to go overnight and be like, oh, we're going to quadruple production. Yes. We, we just don't have the ability to do yeah. that, right? Because you know, manu your manufacturer's in China? In Taiwan. Taiwan. All right. of our products are yeah. manufactured in yeah. Taiwan currently. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, because they're, most of the products are designed by us and mm. they're manufactured for us and we own the tooling and all of that. Mm. Again, we, we don't have the ability just to all of a sudden ramp. Whereas others that are just using, yeah. you know, other components, they yeah. can quadruple in, in, you know, in size. And, and so again, other people I think got a lot of benefit from that in 2020, 2021, right? Mm. And able to kind of scale it to massive and then, you know, now it's kind of going the other way. Yeah. And for us, we've kind of just been steady, you know, mm. steadily growing every single year because we've had a kind of our own limitations uh, to growth. And we also just haven't raised, uh, you know, anywhere near the amount of money no. as some of the big players, right? Yes. And and again, there's there's a method to that madness. You raise a lot of money, there's a lot of expectations mm. and you know you, you know nobody's going to lend you know nobody's going to invest 100 million dollars into you and and let you just park that in the bank totally. right it's going to yeah. be like okay we gave you 100 million bucks you, you know you got to go spend it and grow this business and do all the things that you said you were going to do and if you don't well you're starting to see the repercussions yep. of that yep. um, so again I, I feel very fortunate mm. you know are we as big as you know as a rad power of course we're not yeah. In, in retrospect, I think that's a good thing. Yes. You know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a few years ago when there's huge amounts of money being raised, we were all kind of going, ah, you yeah. know, hey, kind of wish it was us, but but I'm really happy where we're at right totally, now. Totally, totally. And, and I mean, it's, I think at the end of the day, there's an element of just being able to build resilient businesses that I think is, yeah. you know, one of them. The boom, we've seen heaps of boom bust in this. Like, you know, there was boom bust in share. There's been now been kind of a bit of boom bust in owned. I think <laughs> we'll see what the next boom bust mm -hmm. is in micro. But I do think at the end of the day, like, the reason that the, all of this, the reason there was a boom in the first place is because there was a job to be done and that there are people are building, like people are building products that people want to buy mm -hmm. and that ultimately at the end of the day, like this will be a really resilient space over the long term. Like, there Absolutely. are going to be a lot of people who want this and as long as you can, you know, hold on to the company as, well, as all this happens and that and that we don't, you know, that we don't shoot ourselves in the foot with getting too grandiose and, and overshooting our mark then. Well, and if you look at any other uh, industry, I think there's a lot of parallels. So, 
Look at the automotive industry. So, you know, and again, and even the motorcycle industry, 100, 120 years ago, yeah. there was just dozens. Of, I mean, there, there was, was like hundreds, th there hundreds, hundreds of hundreds, car manufacturers. Yeah, in hundreds, if not thousands yeah, of brands, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And again, that all kind of washed out within a couple decades. And yeah. then there was, you know, a dozen or a couple dozen, and those were kind of the stalwarts. And they've, you know, and yeah, they've switched hands a little bit, but but it kind of had a lot of stability for a mm. lot of years, both motorcycles and, and the automotive, right? Yeah. And then now you have kind of a shakeup happening in, yeah. in those. So for the first time, you have a new entrance because the technology is changing. There's an opportunity for, for that. So look at bicycling. Mm. Uh, not too dissimilar, yeah. actually. So there was a lot of consolidation. You know, if you look back 10 years ago, right, there's, you know, a handful of companies that controlled the vast majority of bicycles globally, mm. right, certainly in all the Western markets. And then what's happened with now e-bikes in particular, they kind of started to shake up that whole model. And now you have the Red Powers, you have you know us, you have others as well that have you know raised money, that have got investors that are now disrupting these spaces. And I think along the same lines, I think what was the, I don't even know what the latest is, that's thousands I'm sure, but I know back even like in 2019 or 2020, there was something like 12 or 1300 e-bike brands in the US alone. Yeah, you know, wow. And so, you know, again, you're not going to sustain this market with thousands of different companies. And so I think that what's happening now and what will probably continue to happen for a period of time is you're going to see, you know, kind of the herd get cold a little bit. Mm. Uh, but it's also going to be, you know, the cream's going to rise at the top, yes. right? And yeah. and I think that that's what's exciting. As we, and the thing that you think differentiates yourself on that is having the strong brand and being able to just make, you know, good quality bikes that people want to buy, I assume. Well, and, and exactly. And so there's kind of a few things, you know, for us, one, innovation has always been a key pillar of our business, right? Mm. This is what we think about all the time. And and this is something that, that always drove me crazy about the bicycle industry is I just felt that, you know, it, there wasn't as much focus on innovation yeah, as one bike is the same as another. Yeah, bike kind of. Every, it, was, yeah. it was more of consolidation and, yeah. and efficiencies and, and all these things. And and you know, I was like, oh, okay, let's let's innovate. And mm. again, right now, I'm like, God, there's so much. You know, technology is changing so rapidly that there's still a lot of room left to innovate. So the mm. innovation is huge, and so we're continuing. Even I don't care recession or not, it doesn't matter. You know, we've <laughs> we've hired new you know engineers and new people in in the um, you know call it our product development uh, mm. you know teams, and and we're doing a lot uh, and investing a lot in that uh, obviously talk about the kids and you know bike and the motorcycle and stuff and that is because again there is just so much left to do um, and then you have the community aspect which I think you know we're not the only ones but I'd argue that we probably do it better than everybody else mm. um, and, and mostly because it's an authentic thing we don't we don't artificially go ah, you know we're going to try to create some you know communities and do all this stuff you know what we do is we say hey this is an important part of, of what we do and, and sure we uh, encourage uh, you know folks to get together but a lot of this is organic mm. and you know as much fun as it is to ride uh, one of our bikes it's so much more fun to do it with somebody else totally or yeah. with a group yeah. right and so so we enable that and we show people hey this can you know this is an experience that, that you haven't had any other way. And one of the most satisfying things I would tell you on the community aspect, and it really got kind of focused for us uh, during the pandemic, was there was legitimately people. I think we even did a video of somebody that came out and said, like, Super 73, you know, you saved my life. And mm. we were like, well, what, what do you mean? Mm. And, you know, people didn't have other human contact. They didn't have, you know, their, yeah. their social circles, you know, went away. Um, you know, there, there was all these things that happened. And our bikes and our community ended up becoming, you know, really the an avenue for people then to socialize and to meet others in their community, in their neighborhoods. And, and, and it was, 
I mean, I, I can't even describe you. We don't, we don't do, we don't do enough of, of telling this story, but internally of this mm. company, I will tell you that, that, you know, it's, it really goes a long ways. It, it really touches all of us when we hear those stories and we see that because, you know, sure. Are we getting somebody into more sustainable forms of transportation? Yes. yes. Yeah. That's a given, but to see it actually like impact somebody's life where they're yeah. like, Oh my God, not only did I do this, but I made some friends and I'm part of this community and I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loved, I'm wanted. I'm, yeah. you know, I mean, it's as far as did, you would say it's miles, not miles, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's it. There you go. <laughs> got, a, got a horse coat in there. So. Yeah. 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 But, totally. uh, but no, that, that's what it's about. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, well, look, this has been so good and so interesting. I just, yeah. Hats off to you for what you're building and yeah, we're really excited to have you at the conference and to be able to, you know, show your wares off around the place so yeah look thank you so much i'm looking forward to the another conversation that we might be able to have in a couple of years where we can talk a bit yeah. more about with the motorbike and how that's gone and and, and where the future might go including any uh, cargo bike which uh, <laughs> yeah. you know come on help us out make this cool <laughs> we'll do it we'll do what we can I, like, i'll make you this promise if we end up doing a cargo bike you guys get to uh, cover it for boom okay yeah All appreciate right. it awesome <laughs> okay. man sounds good thank you <laughs> wonderful appreciate.